Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are so excited today. We're so excited. To be talking about the best investing strategies uh, in the world that come from the best investors in the world who have been doing this successfully for 85 years. Um, And if you didn't grow up in a family with a lot of money, and you you didn't grow up in a family where they understood proper investing, then we're going to invite you to join the Rule One family here via this podcast. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking as you made that description. Wait, does that qualify? Does that do I qualify for that particular <laughs> designation? Because <laughs> I'm sort of going. Wait a second. I don't know what I'm doing. But did I grow up in a family with a lot of money that knew about investing. Hmm. <laughs> So I guess I would say to everyone out there, even if you grew up in a family with people who knew about investing, and I have to say, I've talked to a number of you out there who say to me, hey, my dad also is a financial advisor, or hey, my dad works in a bank, or, you know, my mom taught people about accounting. Like people come up to me and say this stuff and they always end it with, and I don't know anything about it either. And I'm like, yes, because... That's not the kind of thing, like, unless you somehow have this special interest in those kinds of things, it's just not the kind of thing that you hear about um, at home. So it's all of us, Dad. It's all of us. I think it is, actually. It really probably is. I mean, man, I mean, it's very hard for kids to just jump into adult activities that are sort of from a kid's point of view, not really very interesting until later, until you grow up and then you find out, oh, well, interesting or not, I better do this because yeah. I'm in trouble. Well, you know this what, like, nobody I ever really says, like to learn to read. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like if you have a parent who's, let's say, like a tax advisor, nobody really expects you to be going around going, oh my God, what my parent does is so interesting and I'm learning so much about it and I'm eight years old. And even when you're a grown up, all of us want to avoid the tax stuff. I know that's so true. Kind of like that. But I think people who are in the financial world don't think of it like that because you guys all think it's fascinating. And we're kind of out here going, um, eh, I'm not sure about that. This is, by the way, one of the great conundrums of modern life is that back when we were living in tribes, <laughs> I, have a certain, I, have certain, I have a certain romantic envy of tribal life. So, you know, because essentially you're bringing your children up right there where you are all the time and pretty much everything you're doing, male and female, is pretty vital. If you don't do it well, you're going to die. And yeah. so you're, you're part of this community that you're deeply invested in and they're deeply invested in you because you need to do well for the community to be okay. So you have this automatic great connection with your family. And, and then, of course, that evolves into farming, ultimately herding and then farming, both, both of which are also kind of, you know, family enterprises. And Yeah, it's true. Really, it's the industrial age that set things off and, and isolated our kind of skill set and made our skills incredibly difficult to, uh, to learn, like, you know, the skill of a surgeon, the skill of a lawyer, the skill of a, of a great business mind, take many, many years of adult life to learn and mm-hmm. access that. And I think investing is probably one of the easier things to access if we could figure out how to get kids started in it. <laughs> I just didn't figure that part out. 
That's I cool. Think, yeah. We should think about that. We haven't really thought about that much. You're so right. And also another thing a lot of people have been saying to me since our book Invested came out is how can I get my kid, meaning like an actual, you know, under 15 kind of kid interested in this financial stuff, interested in investing because they see us as father daughter. Um, and I think they don't realize that I didn't come to this till I was like 30 something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great question, you know, like looking back, what would have worked for me? And I'm frankly not sure what would have worked for me, but I think it's something we could really think on. And I, I honestly have been answering that question badly for, for most of the time I've ever been asked it because I always answer it well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so, you know, you really must be an investor for your children to be interested at all. In other words, they're going to do what you do. They're not going to do what you say. So if you're not following, you know, good principles of investing, they're not either. And but I've always thought I've that's good realize, Well, I've come to realize that even if you are following good investing advice, your child probably won't follow it either. Oh. So we've been, <laughs> I, think, I think actually you have to do both. You have to, you have to do it or your kids probably aren't going to be at all interested. And then yeah. we've got to find a way in that's accessible to a, to an 11 year old. Yeah, so I'm working on it. It's a good future right, project cool. for us. So before but we for jump right into now, intrinsic value and technical indicators, I got a quick announcement, which I've, we've now mentioned the last two episodes, and now I have real information for you guys. My dad and I are going to be at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting coming up very, very soon this weekend. And we've got three different events that we're doing all of which are on my website, daniellettown.com. If you go down, if you go to the blog section or you go to the in the news section, it's on both of those sections on daniellettown.com. And here's what it is. We are going to be at this incredibly exciting book signing. It's not just us. There's 15 or 16 other authors who are going to be there, including Warren Buffett's grandson himself. So we're so honored to be in this company at Creighton University in conjunction with their value investing panel. Um, that is on the Friday, this coming Friday, and it's from 1 to 6 p.m. Then on Sunday, so Saturday, we're going to be at the meeting all day. Come say hi to us. Sunday, we're doing a live podcast from the Bookworm Bookstore in downtown Omaha at 1 o'clock sharp. So come a little earlier than 1, and there's limited seating if you guys want to be in on that and see how we do the podcast. And we're going to have special guest LJ Rittenhouse, who... I've mentioned a few times on here, I adore her. And I think it's going to be so interesting to talk to her because she is an expert on Buffett and on the meeting and is going to tell us all the secret stuff. And then that podcast we're going to put up as usual on Tuesday next week. So everybody who's not going to the meeting, which I know is most of you, will get to hear that on Tuesday as usual. And then um, Sunday night or Sunday late afternoon, we're going to be at the airport bookstore signing our book, um, the Hudson Bookstore in the Omaha airport. And, and that, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, what's happening? We're running the 5k. Oh my gosh. That's not on my list, dad. Well, we are running the 5k and all the <laughs> rule one people are going to have on rule one shirts. Those will be like either t-shirts that say rule one or their polo looking shirts that say rule one. And we're running together in a big mob going my speed with my rec knee at about one mile an hour. Okay. So 
as you guys can tell, he has given me no information about this. And we are now finding out that we, we slash he will be run walking Sunday morning. So obviously, we're just going to be around. Come say hi. We'd love to meet all of you who are listeners and are at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, um, giving homage to the tradition of masters, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and all the other incredible investors who are going to be there. It's, it's going to be cool. I'm really excited. It's our first meeting for both of us, actually. My dad has never been to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, nope. which is nuts. Somehow, which is sad, really. I mean, I've had many, 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 many years of opportunities. You'd think I would run out there, but um, I just haven't. I've been watching it online, but yeah. I haven't actually gone. Yeah. And all of my friends are saying, get out here. You better do it. So... <laughs> do it. And then I'm going to regret having not done it for the last 30 years. Well, no time like the present. No time like the present. And so, uh, moving along, I want to take a along. victory lap. A victory lap is, is called for here. A victory lap? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you a victor of? Well, you know, f- this podcast has just abused the name Chipotle Mexican Grill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> over and over again. Everybody's As, pressing pause on their pause, playback. Uh, oh, Chipotle. But, um, but this is an investment that, that uh, now, by the way, let me do a uh, disclaim here that this podcast is not recommendations or advice in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you should always seek uh, the advice of a professional who you trust. And, um, and therefore, these are not recommendations that we're giving you right now. This is just entertainment and education only. How does that sound, Danielle? Is that pretty good for a non-lawyer? It's 100% correct. And we do not know your financial situation. We don't know anything that's going on with you. So that is why this is not advice in any way. Take your own counsel. Find the counsel of somebody else who does know your financial situation. Do not listen to us. This is pure education and entertainment. And it's not legal or advice. Here comes the entertaining part. I'm entertaining myself. (laughs) We had a basis in, in Chipotle. I'm ballparking because we... we, we when drive. you say we, who are yeah. you talking about? Is that your fund? We, well, me, me. Oh, okay. Just say me. Um, had a basis in Chipotle driven down by options trades that we do over time. Um, very low risk options trades that I have not taught Danielle yet. No. Down to a ballpark. I'm ballparking here about 260 to 280 a share. I'm not positive. So... You got that Chipotle. down with option trades? Oh, yeah. Whoa. We've had some of our students get the basis to zero on stocks. In fact, it's one of the things we go over in the, in the workshop now a lot is we show like the IBM basis driven to zero. Um, oh, man, I, I, there's been four well, or five. So I'm going to let you take your victory lap, but I'll just say, I mean, as you guys all know who listen, I have deeply avoided options because the second I've waded in, they're so confusing that I know that I would get totally screwed up and not accomplish what you just, what you just described. But, um, but for me now doing my investing practice for a while, like a few years and feeling more confident, I'm starting to see kind of the benefit of this. So who knows what could happen in the future? So that's amazing that you did that with options trades. And that was quite fun. And um, I believe that you made an investment in Chipotle, did you not? I did. So I haven't really said this publicly. And this is a whole other discussion that I've been thinking a lot about is, um, how to put this, like, I feel very 
private about my investments. Like it feels really personal to me. And that's why occasionally on the podcast, I'll kind of, you know, mention something or my dad will mention something and I don't really get into it. Um, so it's something I've actually been thinking quite deeply about. What do I reveal publicly? What, what's, what's comfortable? What's something, what's a boundary I need to push through? And what's a boundary that's healthy, you know? Oh, um, I, can, I can tell you right now. Oh, you're going to tell my me. my humble okay. opinion, sure. in my humble opinion, you are um, completely correct in holding your cards close because you, 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 you remember the basic idea is that we like to buy these companies when they're on sale and then we like them to go down. Yeah. We want to buy more when they're cheaper. So coming on a big podcast like this, it's listened to by thousands of people, is a wonderful recipe for driving up a stock price. If you say, <laughs> oh, Danielle wow. is buying it, then everybody who doesn't want to do their own homework or seek counsel will run out like a bunch of morons and buy the stock without even thinking about it just because somebody they're listening to happens to be buying that stock, which is completely stupid. It's completely you stupid. never do that. Yeah. And they'll run out and do it. And of course, then when all of that activity is out there on the stock, the stock goes up, not down. You want it to go down. You don't want it to go up. All right? Yeah. yeah. Now, the reason I'm mentioning Chipotle right now in a, that we've got investments in it is because it has exploded upward and I don't think it's going to go down um, anymore. I think that boat has sailed. And so I've bought all I want hmm. in my portfolio. And the only way I'm buying more of it is it drops back down into that 280 range, then I'll buy more. But it's at 422 a share right now. It exploded up. I'm ballparking your purchase price at around 300. I think that's close. So both of us are sitting here right now with about a 40% return. Um, you've got yours in less than a year. And I, that is another really impressive. So you, I will say you are killing it. You are just killing it in your portfolio right now. Thank you. Um, I've, I'm not uh, saying that those numbers that he just said are exactly accurate, but yeah. I can say that they're not exactly accurate. <laughs> they're not exactly they're, accurate. They're wrong, <laughs> high or low. I don't know which way. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I actually, so, so many people have been asking me like how much work I put into investing. And let me give you an example. I did not know that the Chipotle price popped up today until my dad informed me of that just a few minutes ago. Oh, and, honey, it didn't pop up today. It popped oh. up days ago. Oh, okay. So I pay no attention. And then he, <laughs> because I am in this company for a long time. Um, although it is occurring to me right now that I know I set a Google alert for Chipotle and I don't think I got any Google alerts. So maybe I need to check that. Mm -hmm. Investing fail. Um, so the well, other can I just say it, one more thing? I just, I, I, I have to be your dad here for a second. And that is that Chipotle jumped up on the news from its quarterly earnings report, yeah. which is your homework. You're supposed to do that one. No, You're totally. To pay attention to the quarterly earnings report. Dad, I do, except not on the day it comes out. I check it like later on the weekend when I have time. Okay, well that was, um, let's see, last weekend. Well, so I didn't do it last weekend. <laughs> Um, these sound more and more like really bad excuses for not noticing that the earnings report came out 
midweek last week. You went right through the weekend. It's been in almost an entire week since they did it. And the earnings reports are very, very important if you own a company. This is the All time. Right. So when let's you talk about listen to the CEO who's brand new, by the way, from let's Taco talk, Bell. I know, I know about that. Right. Let's talk about this for real though. Like not joking about it, because this is truly how I handle my investing. And maybe I'm maybe I need to pay more attention, but I don't know. Um, it makes me happy not to pay attention. So first of all. I have absolutely, and this is the truth, I have absolutely no idea what price I bought that company at. I can look back at it, but as of right now, I have zero clue and I like it that way. I love it that way because it doesn't matter to me. I'm pretty sure that the number started with a three and that is all I remember. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you're right since it's been at a three or lower like I think the highest it's been in, in ever since you started getting interested in it is around three twenty five or so. Yeah, yeah, which may have been what I bought it at. I have no idea. It, I don't but, think it started with a two. But I would and, like to suggest that Danielle is being a little facetious when she says she has no idea, because she actually does have an idea that she bought it, in some way or another, on sale. Oh yeah, definitely. And then but, once that happens, then fine, you forget about it. Here's what I'm trying to express. That's, that's what I'm trying to express. Once it's bought, I kind of forget about it. Like I definitely paid a lot of attention to the price at the time. And I actually remember getting stressed out about exactly what I got stressed out about when I bought Whole Foods, which was like, oh my God, it went down $2 right after I bought it. And if I had only waited for one day, it would have changed what I bought it at. And then I got all stressed out about it. And $2, you were getting stressed out because it went down two cents. And then I bought another tranche and I was like, oh, I should have bought it earlier. I should have bought it later. And I got really stressed. And that is why forgetting about it makes me really happy because I don't like thinking about numbers. Like you're a numbers person. I'm not. It doesn't make me feel good to think about that stuff or to remember it. Like it doesn't give me any like good touch point where I think for you, it gives you like a good sort of basis from which to think about your companies from there on. So yeah, I forget I about it. Well, you can't forget about it completely. You have, you have work to do as an owner of a business. And I want you to take serious- but I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Well, good. Because we need to get to that part. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I'm saying let's talk about this seriously, because this is how I handle my investing practice. And maybe you think I should do it differently. So purchase no, company, immediately forget what price I bought it at. Kind of automatically, but a little bit like I'm not trying to remember, if you know what I mean. Then set my Google alerts so that I don't really have to pay attention. It'll just show up in my email. Which good. maybe I screwed up on because I didn't get a Google alert the other yeah, day. You got to make sure you actually get the alert. Yeah, though. you definitely got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting them for a while. And then. And, when, and you should set them so you don't get bothered by trivia. Yeah, which is hard to do, which maybe that's why I stopped getting them because I think I was messing with it. Yeah. Um, so then what I do, and here's the part that I think you might have a problem with. I don't really, like, I know that quarterly there are earnings calls, but I actually initially when I first started, put those calls on my calendar and, you know, treated them like I needed to be there. And it kind of made me feel stressed and like it made me sort of pay more attention to the price. And I didn't really like that feeling because I want to be in a company for the long haul. 
Mm-hmm. And so I actually took them off my calendar, the earnings calls, and started just thinking like, okay, I'll get to them when I get to them. Like it'll be after they happen, maybe a few weeks after. I'm not going to know what's happening with that company right on the day that it's happening. Now, what a lot of people would say to that is that's really stupid because when earnings calls happen, the prices either jump up or jump down based on a lot of stuff that happens on those earnings calls. Sometimes they stay the same, but often there's a big movement based on what happens with those quarterly reports. And so I'm not paying any attention to those things until later when I check it to say, like, okay, what's going on with the company overall? What's my opinion? Is, is an event happening? Has the story changed? With more reflection and, um, and perspective from doing that a bit after those calls happen and after those reports come out. So that's, that is how I've been approaching this. What do you think about that? I think a couple of things. First, that it's a good thing to not get caught up in price. And I, I applaud that part of this whole thing. Um, in terms of, you know, doing what you have to do to emotionally not get caught up in the, in the day-to-day price movements. Um, but w- I think it's important that you pay attention to the story. And the story that we create around a company is vital um, as we go forward because we want to watch for story changes, right? If the story is changing, we want to know that. Yeah. And there are changes to the story which are pretty important, right? Like, like if, if, for example, um, the CEO of a company came out and said, well, we are going to, we are going to completely change our business model. Hmm. We're going to move from railroads into telephones. Yeah. You'd want to know that, right? You'd want to know that and you'd want to know it right away. And the reason you'd want to know it right away is because there's going to be some aggressive movement by fund managers to exit that company for the very reason that you might be thinking about exiting that company as well. Hmm. That, is, that the uncertainty level of the future just went skyrocketing through the roof. And here's the thing. You have an advantage as a small investor over these fund managers. It takes them weeks and weeks to exit that position, often six to eight weeks to fully get out of a large position in a company without hmm. cratering the stock. Whereas you can exit completely, boom, in one second. Yeah. That's a huge advantage that you give away by waiting a week until you listen to the earnings report. Jeez, that's a really good point, Dad. All right. I know. I, know. I don't, but how do I square that with my very strong desire to not be attached to the price once I've bought it? Like, well, you so, got to be attached to the story. Yeah. So maybe it's that's how I square story. it. Yeah. You know, forget the price. This is about whether you want to own the company or not. Right. It does. Yeah, that does. I've been thinking about the earnings calls as just being about price, but you're right. They can have a real strong story effect. Yep. There's there's another thing about the earnings calls that I really like, and that is that many times the corporations don't transcribe all the questions that are coming in from research analysts at all these big banks. And those, those questions can highlight problems with the story um, that are very important. So you, I really like the idea that you, you listen to the questions. You'll mm-hmm. learn a lot about your company. And, um, and the other thing is that just automatically, you, you have a sense of whether or not you should really own this business if you just can't stand listening to this earnings call. <laughs> it's like... 
maybe this isn't a business that you're really interested in. That's my too boring box, yeah, <laughs> which is a very box. important box. <laughs> Forget too hard. It's the too boring problem. That's right. Okay. Now, having said all of that, I will say that Warren Buffett does not come out with big quarterly reports. Mm-hmm. He comes out with annual reports. Mm-hmm. And he feels that at least as far as Berkshire Hathaway goes, an annual report is sufficient for the shareholders to know what's going on in the business and to make a judgment about the value of the business. So I'm not going to say you're 100% off base by just pushing these things out to a point where you don't care about the price. You're getting the information later. It's not critical. But I would say at an absolute minimum, you've got to pay a great deal of attention to the annual report. Well, that one, yeah, I agree with that. But we're talking about quarterly. Right. Um, so what you're saying is, well, here's what I hear you saying. I should be there on listening to the earnings call on the day that it happens because there could be big movements after that. Yep. If the story changes, you're going to want to know it. Now, again, I'm going to say, I don't, this is going to be critical once or twice in a blue moon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this quarterly earnings report for Chipotle, all it did was highlight how great they're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that, you don't need to be there for that, all right? Um, so it's but just I hear you that probably all it takes is one experience where something bad comes out and I wasn't listening, and all of a sudden I'm going to be there on every quarterly earnings call from then on because that's, that's a it. bad it's, experience. It's a shocker. I remember um, with this company called Gildan, um, they make t-shirts. And yeah, you've had, mentioned that a few times and we put we put that example in our book, Invested, actually. Yep. And it's just a real good example because this, in this case, I don't think it was even a quarterly earnings report. It was a just the CEO made a big news, you know, whatever you call it, you know, a big announcement. announcement and, um, and announced that they were going to just lose a lot of money over the next year because of cotton prices mm-hmm. being so high. And as a small investor, you have the ability to be pretty nimble. And, you know, if you'd paid attention right there, knowing full well that the big institutions are going to be bailing out like crazy, regardless of the long-term value of the business, being unaffected by this short-term cotton prices, they're going to get out because the problem's going to last a year or so. So they're bailing like crazy. You know that they're going to bail like crazy from just studying investing properly. And that means you could have exited at $45 a share and bought your entire position back at $15 a share, mm. like half a year later. So those kinds wow. of moves, those are not critical because if you just stayed with it a long term, you know, that $45 investment right now, I think is worth 60 anyway, maybe more. But um, so you would have done all right. But imagine if you'd gotten out and then bought back in. Sure. Three times more shares of stock. And those shares then went to 60. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. I'm really processing this information. I feel a little like bummed out, I have to say. Now I have to go back to having it on the calendar and paying attention. But I mean, I totally get what you're saying. And maybe that's just part of being an investor. You can see how excited I am about this. An owner. So, really, I mean, clearly, one of the things that you're not taking as seriously as I would like is the idea of ownership. If you own one share of a stock, you own the whole company. If you owned all of this business, 
and that was all of your money, you would, wouldn't you be kind of paying more attention? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then the, to the degree you would pay more attention if you owned it all, that's the degree I want you to pay attention as a partial owner. So we should always treat the purchase of the company as if we're buying the whole thing. And if it's the only business we're going to own the rest of our lives. And that's why we just can't buy, you know, 50 companies. You just cannot possibly keep up with that and have a, have a life, right? We're not full-time doing this. So exactly, you got to keep the number of businesses limited because you're going to focus on those businesses and understand them as if you were an owner of the business. Like a real I think you're owner. right. I think I have not a hundred percent with Whole Foods I did, but I have not a hundred percent been thinking of myself as an owner. I think you hit the nail on the head and that's something I really need to work on. And like, that's, that's like and it goes to what I said at the beginning of this episode, which was, I haven't really said that I own Chipotle. Like I haven't really like, I have not stamped my name on that company. There you go. And just because it's gone up now, like it's a classic, ridiculous investor thing to do. Like, oh, it went up, so now I'll tell everybody about it. That's so irritating, you know? Like, feel free to send me hate mail about that one. <laughs> like, I'm irritated at myself say, over that. I was going to say something to that effect, that it, it is, you know, incredibly self-serving to only mention the things that go Completely. up. Right. Um, so, yeah, and I think I need to, I need to really think about this a little bit more, like how how in how invested am i um yeah like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna own something i think i should have to stamp my name on it and i think i should be paying more attention to those calls i think you're right do you do that do you watch the earn or listen to the earnings calls on the day as it's happening because i have never seen you do that (laughs) yeah I do um, some of the time. Yeah. Some of the time. Because a, a lot of these earnings calls are coming after hours. They're either before hours, you know, like at eight in the morning, or they're after hours at four, four thirty, something like that, Eastern. Mm-hmm. So life gets in the way. Um, but I get on it as quickly as I can. So, which is like the next day. The next or, day. Or and also a week and a half control. later, like me. No, I, I do stay on it. Um, and I, I have to confess, though, I actually prefer to read the earnings report transcript if it's got all of the questions in it. And over on Seeking Alpha, they've got those transcripts there. So um, because I can just do it so much faster than listen to people talk. Yeah. But there are some earnings reports where it's important to go and listen because, for example, Chipotle has a new CEO. Right? Well, so what I've done like, is treat it like a podcast and... I just listen to it while I'm doing other stuff. Like I actually have listened to them while I've done yoga at home. I've, uh, I listen to them while I do the dishes. You know, we've all got stuff to do where we can just listen while, or a lot, you know, a lot of people listen in their cars. Yep. Um, but here, I will tell you this, honey. I think that it's very important for you to keep up as an owner of the business. And I think if you buy really good businesses, you don't, it's not a requirement that you listen to them every quarter. It is a requirement that you listen to them every year, but I would hate to have people on this podcast decide it's just too much to listen to this stuff every quarter. And yeah, then it feels like a lot. Investor. It feels like a lot. If you have, if you own 10 companies, it's 10 hours a quarter 
which mm -hmm. is a lot you, when you get right down to it. So if you shift that to annual, you may give up the occasional big change in the story uh, and you somehow never hear about it, but uh, you know, but that's where the that's where the news alerts that critical to be on it quarterly. I I guess now that I'm thinking through it, <laughs> I would much I don't think it's so critical that I would say you have to do it or you shouldn't invest. I mm -hmm. would say you should invest and you have to do the annuals and and make an update on what you think the value of the business is and whether the story's changed. And it's best if you listen to the quarters, but it's not required. How about that? Well, that is very different from where we started, which was chastising me for not listening to it for an entire week and a half. It is very different, but I started to realize I might be throwing the off switch on a bunch of investors who would otherwise massively benefit from, you know, just doing it once a year. I mean, you're still going to be way ahead of the investing game um, than putting your money into mutual funds, in my opinion. If you just I'm listen gonna, to once a year. I'm going to think more about this, everybody, because I think a lot of you feel like I do. And I'm going to think more about this. Think about how I can better. I mean, I've been very comfortable with this idea like, oh, I'll sort of catch up with it, you know, when I have some time on the weekend. And I'm going to think about if that's, if that's a good way to go. If, if you're right, dad, that listening to it very close to the day is the way to go. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's almost like you're saying a little bit, either listen to it close to the day or just don't really worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very conflicted about this right now. I think we need to think you, about that. Just looking at you and the, the hesitation that that creates to be, have a stack of quarterly reports you got to listen to um, makes me nervous that we, we, we might be turning people off. So let me, let me say that what's the downside of listening to it once a year, okay? The downside of listening to it once a year is that the story changes somewhere in the intervening year, and it's in a significant way. And you're not paying enough attention to know that it has and that you should be exiting this investment. Yeah. That's the downside. Yeah. And I would say that that downside doesn't happen very often on wonderful companies. So it's not going to happen very often to you. And when it does, you know, you could find yourself giving back some of the profit that you made or giving back your original capital, some of it, which would be terrible. And once you do that, it'll make you want to pay more attention. So I'm, I'm very conflicted about this. I want to tell you, you should really do it. On the other hand, I don't want you to not invest if you don't feel that committed. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it just like I've done everything else here. Practice it. Good. See how this works for me. Probably for the next six months or so. So like the next, like, let's say two rounds of quarterly calls. And I'll let you guys know what I think. I'll see, I'll see how it's, if I can do it on the day, like, does that make me feel pained for lack of a better word? Like, does it feel like work or does it feel like a good part of my life? The way this investing practice has really turned into being for me. So more to come on this. I'm going to ponder more to come this, on this. I think and it's a very We're going to talk about technical thing. indicators. Guess we what? Sure Next time. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> So sorry. And the good news is, I think they're still saying stay with the market. So hmm. that's worth it. For whatever that's educational value that's worth. Whatever educational value and entertainment value that is. Until next time. 
<laughs> Thanks, everybody. Um, and hope to see you all at the Berkshire meeting. Um, and we will be talking to you next time with our live podcast from that meeting um, on Tuesday. So you'll get to hear all about it. Talk to you then. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three-day transformational investing workshop for free, where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, as our lawyers want me to say, everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, my opinion's right, and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.